Are you ready? Are yeah, we ready? we're live. Okay. Hey everybody. <laughs> hey, everybody. Thank you for coming. This is Stephen Key and my partner, Andrew Krause. There, he's over there. It seems like you forgot my name a little bit. There. Well, you know, I get a little confused. All okay. Right. Um, we're all creative here. people here. Hey, I thought I was doing an intro here. Um, I just want to welcome everybody today. This is the Q&A, InventRight Q&A, to answer all the questions that you have about bringing your brilliance to market through product licensing. Andrew Krause and I have been doing it for over 23 years, mentoring and coaches people all around the world in 65 different countries, helping you take those ideas, sharing those ideas with companies that are looking for ideas and let them bring those ideas to market to do all the heavy lifting for you. Let me explain that once again. Those companies are looking for ideas, need your ideas, but you have to work with them correctly, do all the right things so they consider you an asset. And if you do those things correctly, they will get behind you and they have great distribution. It's the fastest way to bring your products to market. You leverage a power of a big company that can take your idea and distribute it worldwide if they have those long arms. So I'm here with Andrew. We're going to answer all your questions today. I'm only going to go on a couple rants, maybe one or two, maybe, maybe, maybe. People love your rants, Stephen. They learn from the rants. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Whether it's positive or neutral or, or like, oh, we don't, you know, these people got to be careful of them or whatever it is. It's all good, man. Well, good. Uh, so we welcome, everybody. All right. So you guys start start typing in your questions. Steve and I will ramble for a bit as everybody comes in and kind of gets stimulated by our, our silly conversations about licensing. And then you'll you'll be like, oh, I got a question. So start typing in your questions because this is a full hour Q&A and a partial Stephen Key rant. And uh, occasionally I have a rant, too. And um, I, I want to talk about last night. Last night. I don't I don't I don't. That's a person sounds personal, Stephen. I don't, I don't think it's appropriate. I want to talk about IGA. Yeah. The company we created, I don't know, five or six years ago. Inventors, Groups of America, because we had a great guest on. Yes, we did. I mean, an amazing guest. In fact, we're going to put this this video up on our YouTube channel, InventRight TV. Should be up there, I don't know, a little bit later today. But what was amazing, Tom Zarr, what a great guy. Andrew, what a nice guy. He... He's the president and founder of a company called Media One, mm -hmm. in which he represents people that have products that are in kind of production. Maybe you're selling on Amazon or maybe a couple of retailers, but he will represent you on QVC and the home, <clears throat> the home shopping chat, home shopping network. Is that what it? Yeah, QVC and HSN. And some of his clients, though, Andrew. Yeah, Dyson, you know, is one of his clients. Bunch of other Ring, the the doorbell company. Um, he's a is is has some pretty big clients that he he so he's kind of like he helps out getting these big companies on to QVC and HSN. They're not quite familiar how to do. If you don't know what it is, QVC and HSN is this is kind of a never ending. TV show of, of selling products. It's Everybody a, knows what that is. Everybody. A, no, knows. some people don't. Some guys don't. Some guys are like, what's that? I don't know. Because 90% of the viewers are women, right? We learned that last night. We already know that. But. That's true. Yeah. But but you forgot Martha Stewart, too. Don't forget that. The three big ones. In fact, yeah. there's more. There's Halo. There's Martha Stewart. There's Ring. There's Dyson. I mean, guys, these mm -hmm. are major players. But what's really incredible about Tom, he treats everybody the same because we had a couple members, a couple of InventRight members that had two products that we thought were a good fit for QVC. We contacted mm -hmm. Tom and they went on to sell whatever they sell out there. And the numbers are pretty staggering. I was a little surprised, but watch that video. It's gonna go up today, but if you have a product, you think it's great for QVC, watch the video because Tom gives his direct email out for you to contact him and he's going to tell you what he's looking for so look for that yeah it was great but yeah he, he just seems like for a guy that's so successful with such a successful company uh pretty pretty down to earth came on talked to a very large group of inventors and just we we like people like that you know i, I like that he said i take these small 
companies, those small entrepreneurs just starting out, and I can take sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes I can take that that product and create that brand, and that goes on to do these huge things, right? And sometimes these these people he brings on the QVC end up selling their companies. They become huge because of that exposure and that mm. that that TV electronic you know retailer is fantastic. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Good stuff. Good. Well, see, so James, James wrote, see how you're proving my point here. James proving my point here. I wrote, I never heard of it. We're referring to oh, QVC on. and HSN. So for those of you guys and some women, QVC and HSN is like a never ending infomercial where it's just 24 seven TV where they're selling you things. But the difference is like QVC stands for quality, value and convenience. They're sticklers for quality, value and convenience. And they want those repeat customers and they treat their customers great. Not all DRTV companies are known for doing that. Um, they don't have close relationships with their customers. So it's kind of like a never ending infomercial, but kind of not. It's kind of like a community. And that's what John was saying. Some, you know, this 90% of the viewers are women. They'll get on there and they watch. Yeah, you know, definitely. Mike was on there. One of our students was on there, like, God knows, a bunch of times. Well, you know what's really great about this product, Fun. Push and Hang? You know, Mike's actually, he's actually, do, does he do a demo? I mean, is he actually he's on a, sometimes? He, yeah, he's, no, he's gone on QVC and done a demo for, he's a great pitch, man. He's great. Not all inventors are, which is, you don't need to be, but he this is. is great. It, this is a great product, too. I have it here. Here's another one, one of our students. And I liked mm -hmm. how he talked about this product was doing so well. But for that audience that you just said that 90% are women older mm -hmm. that he came and he changed the color scheme to sell it. Yeah, that's the guy version and, and they made it pink and they changed it a bit. And yeah. Oh, you got the other. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's uh, the glide mat. Morrison did a great job. Her product sells out all the time. So, you you got to explain these products. Inventors are watching, Stephen. When you don't explain what a product is, they're going to get upset. All right. What is this? This is uh, uh, it's called the glide mat. Mm -hmm. And it's a rubber mat that you put in your kitchen sink and allows, allows you to put some heavy kitchen, uh, you know, gadgets or devices. And you can slide them around with one hand. Mm -hmm. Great to move it here, move it there if you want to clean behind it. She's already written me a nice. And mat. then what was Reifer's product? What was the mirror? How does that work? Reifer, this is really a great idea. This is really a great story too. Yeah, you're good. Product. You're good at this. I think you could be on QVC. Be, give us a pitch, Stephen. Give us a pitch. We're, go you ahead. Know, you're grooming your hair. You want to look your best, but you can't see the back of your head. This is a three-day, three-way mirror. It's called the 360 mirror. So you're always looking your best. All right. But, cool. But you know, you know what's really great about this product, though although he has it in different colors now and some of them light up, he's actually has a whole line now of products. Uh -huh. So he went from QVC to he's on Walmart, Sam's club. He's done fantastic with a very simple idea. So congratulations, Ryford. You're he's a, a, he, he's a, he's a great guy. He's not afraid of being a little, um, out there, ostentatious, what have you. Doesn't he have like a really expensive sports car? I think, I don't like, know if he talks yeah. about that publicly, but. You got rid of that. Oh. He does, yeah. Well, yeah. Um, now, no, give us the pitch on the push and hang, okay? Give us Mike's. He was on QVC All too. Right, here we go. <coughs> you know how hard it is to put pictures up. You need to have your wife. You need to get the hammer. You need to get all the nails. No more. Forget it. Push and hang allows you to do it with one hand. You can do it by yourself. I don't need to call my wife. I put the two little pins in here. I push it against the wall, boom, 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 and I can hang pictures all by myself within seconds. This is a product everybody needs. It's called push and hang. Perfectly level, every time. <laughs> there you go, okay, cool. I am not a pitch man, sorry. <laughs> not a pitch. Okay. I, think you could, I think you could do well. I, I could see you on QVC. I don't think so. Yeah, I, 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 I think you could do it. <laughs> I don't think it. so at all. Let's <laughs> see, let's get some questions here, people. Let's see. Um, Okay, I don't understand James's thing. Yeah, but when you do, they don't tell you there's a fee-based company until after they coax you into submitting your ideas. I'm not sure what that is. I know he's talking about QVC. James, can you clarify? Clarify on that. We'll answer your question. Um, Sam said finally made the made a session. Thanks for hosting these. Great, Sam. Welcome, welcome. 
We got people that attend uh, every week on Thursday. Um, okay, uh, Tryman. Hi, Stephen Andrew. Question about making your company list. How do you make your company list? Until recently, I was listing them on one row of an Excel spreadsheet, and I watched that one InventRight TV episode with Coach April, and I was severely lacking, and now I'm doing a one sheet per page per company list. Yeah, you know, I haven't watched, I haven't watched uh, April's video about making a list of companies. Um, so I'm not sure exactly how she does it, but she likes one page on, I guess, on a Word doc or something. I think that's what he's implying. And then it has all the info about what she's done with that company. And then another page is another company. Yeah, you can you can just do it on a piece of paper too. Good. <laughs> I, so that, I think that is an interesting approach, Trimond. Uh, you know, you got to do it however you can. Steven is not a high tech guy, although okay. he's he's, he's no, using wait. our CRM now, which which is like a giant leap for him. But he just uses a a pad of paper. You know, other people use Excel. Some people use a contact management system. Like Steven has finally come into the the 20th century. He's just starting to use it like literally a couple weeks ago, but good for you, hey. Stephen. Whatever works. Andrew, let's talk about that for a minute because I've learned a few new tricks. And one of the tricks that you, you showed me was the system we have now to kind of manage the people we're talking to and our students. And, and I love it. I'm on there all the time now. And I don't know how I lived without it, Andrew. I guess I wasn't doing a good job. I, James and I, we just didn't feel like we could convince. We're like, no, he's never going to do that. And he did. So, you know, um, and Steven's not a computer geek. He, he is a geek on his phone, guys. He can do all sorts of stuff on his phone. But the computer, yeah, but he's doing it now. So, um, but whatever, you need a tickler though, right, Steven? So when you're working with, let's say you're reaching out to 30 companies and three people in each company, that's 90 people. There's a point at which paper starts to become a problem, okay? And then now you can do it in Excel, but well, I can type it in Excel, but what if I don't have a reminder to call this person next back next week? You can do things that will prompt you there. CRMs are really the best for a professional inventor that's going to be working on three, four, five, eight products. I mean, it's going to, you can make a task, it pops up. Steven's not doing that part yet. He just goes through all his people and and, and calls them. But, but you know, you've been licensing forever and you've done without it and you've done just fine. But what do you think of now that you're using a CRM, a contact management system? What do you think about I, it? Next, I think you're right. I think next time I'll get a car too, Andrew. I've been living in the dark ages, but I really, <laughs> I really do like it. But thank you for, for, for being patient with me and thank you for, for showing me how to do it. I don't know how you, I don't know how I would live without it. I really like it, but I, you guys, I have to kind of laugh right here for a minute because I'm reading this one comment from the creator, a push and hang. And oh, what's really, really, what's really great. What did Mike say? This is hilarious. He oh, goes, Mike, love huh? it. You're hired. Mike, what are you doing watching this? This is just a commercial for your product today. That's all it is. Oh, look at that. Oops. Oh, I love it. <laughs> you guys, it's really simple. If you want your product on this channel, all you have to do is send us. 1995 and we'll <laughs> put your product on this channel for everybody to see mike thanks for the check all right yeah that's fine <laughs> well uh, mike the reason why we brought you up is we were talking about uh yeah, you know tom's are last night with media one what is he doing watching this he knows he, he mike doing. comes on once in a while I th i'm very flattered that he, he comes on even though he knows his stuff at this so, point well you know what was really amazing when i saw mike at this trade show and I knew his product, you know, we've known him, we've been, you know, we're, he's part of our community, right? And, mm -hmm. and I get there and he's out there pitching in front of the trade show, Hangman. What a great, great product, great company. And he's out there out in front because he's got a hit, hit product, but he was so darn good at this. I was, and how did he become that good? I don't, I don't know if it's just practice or whatever, but the guy is a pro. Andrew. Yeah, and I, I don't think all his licensee basically invited him to come. And Steve and I would see him at the hardware show and the houseware show three or four times every. I don't think he's doing that right now. He can correct us if I'm not right. But he'll show up to the trade show. They have all their products and they're okay with him like being the guy that's it's like an extra salesperson in the booth pitching his product. And people are coming by and he's talking about the product and stuff and he's very good at it. And all inventors want to do that. 
Mo I, I can't think of that many of our students that have actually done that where the company invited them to come to the trade show and be the pitch man or to go on. It does, you know, it does happen sometimes. Though. Well, you know what, you know what it is, everybody, you're, you have to realize that your idea, your invention, even if you license it to a company, you're newsworthy. You are the story. And, and the more you, you realize that you're an asset at a trade show, maybe doing a radio, a podcast, TV, doesn't matter. You can tell a great story and you should practice telling that story. Mm -hmm. Companies can't do that. You can. You, you're remarkable, right? You, you're that story they want to highlight. So, so think about this. Once you have licensed or ventured or whatever you've done, think about how do you help that company sell more product by telling your story. Right, right. Because yeah. for them, they're just flocking a product. They're not going to get any media. But if it's an inventor, ooh, that's interesting. Uh, so we got a question from here from James. Thoughts <laughs> about reaching out with a trademarked label to put on manufacturers' products? I don't know what he means, Stephen. So a lot of our, our students, our members, they come up with a name for the product. And I don't think this is what he's asking, but I'm going to answer a different question and then we'll get to this. And they're like, I think this is the name for my product. And they're like, well, should I spend $1,500 on a trademark? And we're like, and again, not legal advice. Consult an attorney if you're looking for legal advice. This is just some practical advice on what Stephen and I would do. We would never file, spend the money for a trademark up front. We want to see if there's interest. So we put the little TM with the circle around it. That's free. You're kind of putting them on notice, common law trademark. Look, we intend on using this mark. It's a certain measure of protection. We're not going to get into that. But if you file a registered trademark every time you come up with a product name, every product you work on, probably not a good use of your money, not telling you what to do from a legal perspective. Um, and then if they're interested, okay, well, now I'll file a trademark and I'll, I'll make this part of the package. I got my PPA. I'll get them to pay for the patent. I got my trademark. I'll file the trademark. Maybe get them paid for that. And I'll put it all together as a package. Many of our students have done that. But there again, just like there's no need to risk twelve thousand dollars on a patent when you got sixty dollars on a on a provisional patent, there's no need to spend fifteen hundred or more on a trademark when you can literally put TM in a circle around it. And we're not going to get in the upsides and downsides of that because we could talk for thirty minutes about trademarks. Um, now, I don't know if that's what James is saying, Stephen. Thoughts about reaching out with a trademarked label to put on a manufacturer's product? I think maybe he has artwork. Well, no, that maybe he wants to put. Maybe he's got a great name. Yeah, wait, let me. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about this for a minute. One of our students, really a creative guy, Keith Mullins, he came up with a great trademark in the pet industry. I think it was called, I don't know what it's called, um, something. I don't know. I forgot what it, the name it didn't matter. Yeah. But what was really wonderful about it is he trademarked the name. I mean, he was, he licensed, he trademarked it, then licensed the name to a company. You guys, that's very clever, right? Yeah. So you, you can do that. Maybe that's what he's talking about. And I want to get to this one question. That, that is harder, though. I mean, we had a we had another student I, that he I showed the product. Awesome. It's very hard. But we did have a student that did it by accident. <clears throat> he showed him a product, and it had the name on it. And this is unusual. So guys don't go, hey, I'm going to run around trying to sell names. You know, um, They weren't interested in the product, but they're like, we really like your name. And they license the name, but that's one time out of 23 it's years. Rare. It's rare, but it can be done. Yeah. So here's a question here someone's asking. If I've got a great idea, can I license it to more than one company? Now, mm. I, I want to give a couple examples here. All right. Yes, you can. Is it common? No. If you have the right skills and understand the marketplace, yes, maybe. And I'll give it a sure. great example. There's a friend of ours out there that sells a great product himself on Amazon. It's a, I think it's kind of a lazy Susan Stowe and some, I forgot the name of Dennis. It's a great product though, but he sells it himself. He's done a great job. And then he showed it to a DRTV company, mm -hmm. right? They liked it and they wanted to sell it too. So he was able to cut a deal. I'm going to sell mine with my name and with this variation they licensed it, changed the name, changed a little bit about it so it didn't compete, right? Okay. And, and they licensed it from him, but he was able to sell it himself and license it. So that's one variation. Mm -hmm. Here's another variation. I've got an idea that let's say 
let's say it's in a dental care business for people, right? So I'm a dentist and I come up with this great new brush. So I can license it to maybe a company that does, you know, uh, humans, okay? And then mm -hmm. I take the same technology and I mm. design it differently for dogs. Right. And so I've got two opportunities here to license to do two different companies in two different categories, two different industries that can be yeah. done. Yeah. Yeah, and then and then also you can do geography. You license a company that sells in U.S. and Canada, and they only sell there, and you retain the rights for Europe, and you go license it in Europe. So um, absolutely. Right. Okay. I want to go on. And to give you guys some perspective, because Stephen and I, we get perspective because we see so many ideas, and people ask me that all the time. Can I license to multiple companies? I'm gonna get just this is not statistically act perfectly accurate, guys, but I would say of the products that I see maybe about 20% have potential to license to multiple categories. But, you know, a lot of the time it's going to be one company and that's going to be it. But, 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 but 20% is pretty, pretty decent. Pretty much, God, Andrew, that percent went up. Usually you were like, nah, it's impossible. Now you've kind of changed the attitude a little bit here. I, you you look at it. No, no, I, I haven't changed. No, I, I think that's about accurate. Yeah. But here's the thing. People think if I license it to 10 companies, I'll make more money. It's like one big company. I mean, don't be greedy. That's enough. Like, wait a minute. I, w I don't want to put all my eggs in one basket. I want to license it to everybody. But then you know, you're not giving each company something unique. That's not the way it works. All right. All right. Not yeah. About that. I want to talk hmm. about something, right? That, well, I've got a couple things I want to talk about. There's one particular. Oh, my. Because we're, some, not, we're not getting to anybody's questions today. Stephen, go ahead. No, no, I'm just kidding. We've already answered a couple. Okay. Um, <laughs> I know that a lot of us, I'm a big believer in finding teams, right? I'm a big believer. You know, InventRight's a team. You know, I tell everybody, when you join InventRight, this is your team. And mm. you've got a very experienced team in this one particular area, product <clears> licensing, probably than any company in the world. This is your team. You're not alone anymore. You have a team. I'm a big believer in teams. I have a, a, a writing team. I do a lot of writing. I have a team that helps me do that. I believe in teams. So, but a lot of people out there would like to have a team, maybe a partner, but how do you find the right people, Andrew? Hmm. Because some people you want to avoid, some people you want to run, some people you're like, what did I do? Why did I, I love this topic. So how do you choose those people that have your best interests so the results is going to be pretty positive? And how do you avoid the people that you just don't want to team up with at all? How do you know the difference? Right, right. You know, you know me. I've got an answer on that. Let's hear it. Oh, you did? Were you prompting me? I'm I didn't. Know. I thought he was. Yeah, I'm gonna give. I have a very solid answer on that. So, um, you don't. You want to test people. Okay. So, so you know, so many. I talk to so many inventors where they get in with a partner or other people or whatever, and they get deep into it financially, work-wise, co-owning the invention. All, uh, it's a mess, right? It's not a mess if it works out, but it's a mess if it doesn't work out and you have a disagreement, right? So it's it's really simple, guys. If you have somebody that you want to work with, and sometimes you have a friend, and they were a great friend, and they're great being a friend, but they're a whole different person in business. And you're like, I didn't see this side of them, right? So here's my very, very basic advice, and Stephen's heard me give this before. So when you want to partner with somebody or work with somebody, always test them. So don't get into business with them. Give them something very, very small and very, very easy to do and tell them it's very, very important and make sure it's does it's not do that. You, you know, it's, it's not that hard to do. It won't take that long, but it's very important. Emphasize why it's important. And if they don't do it, don't partner with them. Don't like have all these hopes and dreams that they're going to do well. And then before you know it, you're six months in and you're tied to them and they're a weight around your ankle. And I talked to a lot of inventors that have partners that where they, they, they've gotten into that, yeah. you know, definitely. I, I think Andrew's right. You do a small test and if they cannot complete the small thing. They'll never do a big thing. And, and before you get in bed with them contractually, do a couple small things and see if your your motivation, your sense of urgency, all align together. I would also do this. This is real simple. 
make sure they have some type of social proof that whatever they say they do right mm. and and sometimes that's hard to find but it shouldn't be hard you know what have they done and there's certain things that you do in life that shows that you've completed things mm. right yeah and, oh that's good advice yeah it could and, be in another area of their life you know so the stuff they're doing with their family or another business or their job and you need to kind of like interview them you know what? about all that stuff yeah you, i love that you, you do and if, they, if, if their track record shows it's a little spotty maybe or they haven't really completed or they don't have uh the enough positive stories to tell of what they've done over here you might want to you might want to give it a second thought right that could be a potential red flag that's all i'm mm. saying okay i i got one more and stephen might disagree with me on this one I think that inventors can partner up together and do well, but I think a, a higher percentage of the time, two inventors getting together to be partners is a bad idea, just generally. Well, and why? you know why? why? Because if both inventors have ideas, each inventor wants their idea to be the focus. That's a problem right there. Also, now if they don't have if they have different skill sets that could be a huge benefit one person's kind of good at reaching out not timid one person's good at engineering great but if you have the exact same skill set there's not as much of a benefit i've seen it working so i'm not saying oh you shouldn't do it it doesn't work but i'm saying i've seen a lot of times where it, it just doesn't work and you've got two idea people but not neither of them are taking action you know and so it can be problematic and if and if an idea is just person's an idea person and just that and they just don't take any action at all they shouldn't be your business partner there's no it doesn't matter how brilliant of an inventor they are if they're not taking action in some area whether it's engineering or marketing or sales or something just an idea person an idea without execution it's just not enough one thing i want to mention before i forget two 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 announcements um how many people know mark portney raise your hand if you if you know mark portney raise your hand if you're watching our youtube channel on bitright tv mark hasn't been on in a year he's been busy he's been doing a bunch of stuff he's coming back on and he's looking for ideas make sure you watch that video uh he's coming back on he's looking for that hit he's going to get back to you as quick as he can so if, watch that video with mark portney if you want someone that's going to partner up with you i guess that's what it is right and uh make sure to take a look at it he's coming up but the, the other thing i want to talk about andrew how important is knowledge and how important is to find people that can help you on your journey now InventRight does that a many different ways we do that with our youtube channel which we're going to be celebrating 1000 videos very soon cool we do that with all the articles that we've written over the years i think 1000 articles five books fantastic we've done that with all the free resources we put out the q a we do we we want to educate but there's other people in the industry besides us that can educate you in all different parts of your journey and we're bringing those type of people over to InventRight to write for InventRight. It's called Innovate This. Pretty cool. You're going to see this being announced today on social media. And you're going to see this new platform where we're having people, experts in different fields, write for us at InventRight. Now, what's really crazy about this, Andrew, and I love this because you know me, I like information. I want to study it. I want to get close to people that know what they're doing. I, I'm one of those research people. I do a lot of research. Also, who's going to write for us is the USPTO. We do mm -hmm. a lot of work with them. They know who we are. We asked them, could you start providing us with some really good content? They said yes. But also another company that said they're looking at us very carefully. They, they haven't quite written anything for us yet. It's going to be red points. And they're going to talk about protecting your brand. So please look at that announcement make a comment and come on over and look at all the new stuff we're going to have at InventRight called innovate this the tag will be blog although it's not really a blog it's articles but it's it's a blog but find it you might find some stuff you really like and if you've got something you want to write about yourself if you're an expert and you want to write about something come on over contact us you have a platform to get your voice out hmm. nice thank you Stephen. Yeah, it's it's amazing. It's amazing. We're going to be there's so much great information there. 
Um, let's do this one from um, Carolyn. I, I think it's a, a funny question and I have a, a kind of a funny answer. Um, Carolyn said, how do you get your 3D prototype back from a manufacturer? So I'm thinking like, it's a 3D prototype, it's digital. Like, what do you mean get it back? So it's kind of a funny question. Um, but you know, you can elaborate, Carolyn, if you want. But that's what I like about 3D prototypes, Stephen. When a company wants a prototype and you have to mail it to them and it was your only prototype, and then you're like, oh, I got another company interested. And then you're desperate trying to get it back. You don't have to do that with the 3D prototype because it's digital. It's virtual. So that's what's beautiful beautiful about it. So um, Carolyn, I'm not sure you can clarify further. I'm not sure what you mean. If you mean, which you might mean, Stephen, I'm, I'm worried they're going to steal it. I want them to send it back and say they won't show it to anybody. Or something. I'm not saying, Carolyn, you're saying that. But that might be what she's implying. There's no getting it back. Yeah. Know? Here's another question from Brian. I really like this question. We get this all the time. And even with some of the stuff I'm working on myself personally, I'm going to be sending my idea to multiple companies. Stephen, you you can, can are you able to click on them too to make them show? You can do that too. You're welcome. Well, you know, Andrew, that's too technical for me. Only one time. You know, don't go, hey, don't get too far with me on this. So you're you're making so much progress, man, tech wise, I swear. You really are. So, so this question that Brian has, I have the same, you know, I think about the same way. I'm gonna, I'm targeting multiple companies with one of my product ideas. And I wanna show a video or a sell sheet. Do I make separate sell sheets and videos for all those companies? Hmm. Or do I make a generic one? Now, yeah. that's a dilemma because ideally you make a generic one. Right, and then you can show it to everybody. That, that to me makes really that's practical. And, that's, and what we do most of the, most all the time. Practical. Right? The right. problem with generic, it looks mm -hmm. generic. It just does. Because when I design one for that customer, they see their brand on it. They see themselves. Yeah. That's us. I see. It. I get it. It has mm. more power. Sure. Okay. So Brian, I'm with you on this one. I think you have to think about how much time you have, how many, how much, you know, the types of resources you have. And if there's some clients that are really special with you, yeah, maybe customize it a little bit. Okay. And do a generic one too, right? And play with it and see what type of feedback you're getting. But to think I'm going to make 30 different sell sheets with the logo of each company you're sending it. to. Forget yeah, but but you know, if you do want to do it occasionally for your favorite company or two and spend the extra time, uh, make sure to have a, a fair use disclaimer. I got to turn this oh, phone yeah. off there. That's a good idea. Make sure to have a fair use disclaimer. So what, what look go on Wikipedia and look up fair use. So you know, it's just saying like you know, fair use disclaimer. Usually I don't say to say that, but I would do that. Um, colon. Um, all all logos and trademarks and products are the, have are um, are owned by their respectful owners for illustrative purposes only. You can do that when you're privately showing a sell sheet. Now, Stephen, you know this story. I had a student, and I didn't know he had a football related product. I didn't know he had a website, and he had all the NFL logos up there. And so, about a, two weeks into his membership, he called me up, Andrew, Andrew. I'm panicking. The NFL says they're going to sue me. I'm like, what? What do you mean? He's like, he's like, well, they looked at my website and they say I've got the logos there. I'm violating their trademarks. I'm like, yar, you can't do that, you know. And and I said, just take it down. Tell them you took it down. They didn't follow up with him, and he was fine. No. Okay. So there's a big difference. Fair use is not using people's logos in public because that could hurt their reputation and their brand. But privately showing and and using a logo or something like that and you have a disclaimer down there that's okay so because you you're probably some of you are probably freaking out going steven i can't use their logo that's their logo yeah you can well, if you want to privately be you know. i know let me let me talk about really pushing the limits on this one. Oh, steven loves to do that so let's hear yeah. it i love it <laughs> he does he loves that I, I was he gonna... gets so much guys guys he gets so much excitement out of pushing the limits and he loves talking about so so go uh, ahead Steve. i'm at a trade show and uh i i had these prototypes where are these i had these great pro here 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 let me let me let me grab it i'm at a i'm at this um trade show 
Wait, wait, wait. You got to see this. Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. This is too good. Too good to be true. I'm at a trade show, and it's a trade shows with um, other types of products, and I have this rotating cup right here. And uh, it's, a, it's a spin cup, right? And you spin it, and it does it's a spin it and does certain things. Pretty cool. And, yeah, it's really cool. And, and uh, it's just, you know, so I've got Pepsi. I've got big, big, Pepsi's big as could be. And, you know, Katy, Katy Perry's hair changes colors here. Uh, can you see that? Changes uh, oh, yeah, 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 I see it. Uh, yeah, it's right. cool. So I'm at this trade show. Everybody's there. It's a big trade show, and this company's representing me, and I made all these samples. And I have Pepsi, and I've got I've got the pirates there. I haven't licensed any of this to these guys, right? So, so I'm sitting there and doing the demo. Hey, the Pepsi, and, and then the Pepsi. No, this is at a trade show, public yeah, in it's public. public. It's crowded. It's packed, and all the Pepsi guys come walking by. Yeah, <laughs> okay, so, okay, guys, just he's pushing it there again. That was the difference: public, private. Uh, he he was pushing the limits there. He was yeah. Could have gotten in trouble. I'm doing like Michael Michael Van Hoist does. I'm doing the demos at the booth, and I'm showing the Pepsi. Watch Katie, Katy Perry's hair change, and on the Pepsi guys walk by, and I'm pitching the Pepsi guys. Yeah, uh -huh. this is Pepsi, and I look at their. I go, oh, you're Pepsi. <laughs> like, and they kind of looked at me. And goes, yeah. And I go, well, let me show you this. And I started. It was funny. They just walked on. They didn't say anything. They didn't come back and see, send me some cease and desist letter. Was that pushing it a little bit? Yes, because yes. it was public. Because it was public, that's the difference. That's pushing. We're we're not here to give, but that I think you know we're not here to get legal legal advice, guys. Please consult your attorney <laughs> if you're looking for legal advice. But we are we are clearly defining private and public with regards to fair use. Now there are fair use. Also, you can use things like if we did a YouTube video, Stephen, we can use certain things publicly and claim fair use. But anyway, we're not going to we're not attorneys. We're not going to get in all the details. Of fair use, just just the fact that they know that they can do a certain amount of this privately is is very empowering. Well, the thing about it, though, Andrew, these were concept only and only had a group there. It wasn't like I was selling them. Right. So there was a difference right there. And I think they might even say concept only. So you know, I was, I was playing that fine line a little, a little bit. And so, you, know, you, you can see the enjoyment. He just, he really I, I love it. it. You know, he loves I, it. Hey, like living on the edge. Whatever you need to do to make it happen, I'm the guy. I, Whatever. I, I make it happen. You, you jump out of airplanes too, Stephen? No. No, no. That's your version of jumping out of airplanes, huh? Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's okay. Me. That's me on the edge. That's him on the edge, Muhammad says when would you go study product design in a university versus learning it by doing it muhammad oh, um oh, it really oh. it really depends on the types of products you work on 95 percent of our invent right members students have no formal training whatsoever in product design in any way shape or form some of them have some engineering background they might be an artist have a creative background you can do this with no formal training at all you can use your creativity now, some of our students, Stephen, are professional industrial designers. They went to school to learn how to design products, and that's great, but it's not necessary. Now, with certain products that get very complicated and stuff, would that be an asset? Yes. Do you guys all need to go back to college for four years and learn industrial design in order to do this? Hell no, you don't. Um, Stephen, what are your thoughts? Those are my thoughts. Well, Andrew, I think this is really interesting because those skills that these professional product developers, industrial designers, engineering students are learning are really valuable, okay? But you have to change your mindset when you're licensing, okay? If you were to build these products that you've created and done all the details, all the drawings, make sure they work and all that kind of great stuff, you're probably not gonna be in the licensing world very long, right? Because Licensing is about testing ideas, right? And and we know from experience that if I spend a lot of time, energy on any one product and it doesn't mm. work, there's a pretty good chance I might not be doing it again. All right, this is a, a long game, meaning you have to mm. test a lot of ideas. So what we have to do when we have those type of individuals as members, we have to kind of say, all right, those skills are really important, but later, let's use them later. Yeah. 
what, what we want you to do is learn how to test ideas very quickly to see if the benefit of it is so strong they want you to do more work that work that you're good at. I love what Steven's saying here. What he's saying is it's almost can be a negative. When you go, these industrial designers, they're taught to be so anal retentive in school about working out every little detail and design here and there. And if they're doing that, and they're spending six months doing that. They could have worked on licensing once you learn licensing. They could have worked on licensing three or four products where they just did a concept. So it, it actually hurts them. And we don't we can't have we don't take on those types of industrial design um, people with industrial design backgrounds because we need we we well, say hey look you're going to need to learn to like just kind of show a concept and be okay with that oh but but I need to realize I'm like you can do that but you're going to be wasting your time. They've been you know? trained for jobs. They've been trained to work for a company. Right. right. And, right. and those tools are very, very important. Does it, those tools, like I said, they're better a little bit later during the process of licensing because you need to test the benefit, not the details of how something works. Just give me the benefit first. So we mm -hmm. have to kind of change their mind, you know, the way they're looking at things. And once you do, though, once they get it, they're great at concepts. They get, they can put those things together really quick. And when they want to prototype, they're there. So mm -hmm. the skills are wonderful. But Andrew's right, and also about the licensing. They don't teach licensing um, at schools. And I want to talk one thing about licensing too. You know, we're always talking about product licensing. That's our specialty, product licensing. But you know, product licensing has been around for two hundred years. It's not new. Right. And but there's brand licensing, there's licensing in, there's licensing out there. There's all these different variations of licensing. If I'm a startup, let's say, and I have this great technology and I want to venture, I need to know about licensing, too, because maybe I license technology in instead of creating it. Or maybe I license part of my technology out for revenue. Right. So it doesn't matter if you're if you're venturing or 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 licensing, product licensing you need to know the tools of licensing and it's big and someone told me the other day that the people that created gatorade um that's produced one billion in royalties one no no with the b with the b billion all right now that's wow. a really unusual situation sure but there's a lot of um stories about product licensing that have been around forever hasbro big one of the big toy companies 60 percent of all their toys they're big brands. Those are big brands. We're, mm. we're licensed from us. Wow. Okay. Mm. Now, DRTV, all those ideas, DRTV are basically coming from us. They don't have design departments. Okay. But there's other industries. OXO, great kitchen company, one of the best. Most of the products that they produce are licensed. So it's very, very popular. But here's the issue. You mean most of their products are done internally or licensed? They're licensed. With OXO? Yeah, they're design firms. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, it's like in but, it's like an in between thing but, there. Yeah, but it's a right. royalty based. Got it. Got it. Yeah, because they're not, yeah they're yeah. It's royalty based. But I guess what I'm saying is, this is a profession, right? This isn't. If you want to do this as a hobby, that's great. But realize, this is a profession. This this mm -hmm. is what people have done. This is what people do. These are what companies demand. This is. So when people say, yeah, I'm just going to kind of dabble in, I go, that's great, but that's a hobby, right? You're, you're kind of doing a hobby here. But if you're really serious about this, yes, you, you need to learn the basics. You have to learn how to be a beginner. And then the next step is being someone a little bit more advanced. And then there's another, there's levels to it. So when someone comes to me and says, Steve, I'm, I'm further along. I don't need coaching. I've, I've got a sell sheet. I've found my PPA. I'm ready. I say to myself, you have just begun. Right. You've done two tasks out of, out of how many? You, but, but people don't realize, don't, well, wait a minute. I, I thought I was ready. Well, you're, 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 you have shown me that you're passionate. Right. You bothered to do more work than just yes. having an idea. Yes. Yeah. That's all you've shown me. But, there's so many different levels to this you've just started. Right. People don't realize that, but I don't want to make that clear to everybody because there's 
there are professionals here and you can climb this ladder of, of really well you know what you're talking about Stephen tapers tapers in perfectly with this question can you license technology without getting into product development um Ooh. so you know Ooh. yes people have been licensing technology forever like steven's saying but you still the thing is i talk to some engineers sometimes and they say the technology and when i talk to them they have no freaking idea what the applications are. They're not looking at it from a marketing perspective. So yes, you can positively license technology, but you need to look at all the applications. Here's the low hanging fruit. This will be easier to implement. Here's 10 potential licensees. It could be over here under this kind of, uh, with this kind of product. And you still need to look at the benefits of that technology. So when people go on and go, here's my technology, they just wanna ramble about the technology you need to be reaching out to the right people and showing them how they could use the technology for their particular industry. You can't just say, here's a technology, you guys figure it out. No, you still need to define the marketing and sell the benefits of it. Hey. And engineers, I, I talked to so many engineers, Stephen, where they're just like, here's the tech. And I'm like, so where's the markets? And they're like, I don't know. It's like, but well, it's cool tech. I'm like, you gotta figure out the markets. The the two biggest mistakes that we make as inventors, we're reaching out to the wrong companies. We don't know which ones to reach out to. And maybe we haven't done our homework <clears throat> and, and that we've showed them an idea that's too similar to something's out there. We don't know our point of difference or so our marketing material is not great. Or we've done it in such a way they don't want to work with us. So there's, those are three things. But Josh has a great question here, Andrew. And I know you like to answer this about yeah. putting your your video, your product sizzle reel oh. up on YouTube. How should you do it correctly? Yeah, let me read it. How do you know when you should move on to another? Pro oh, that's not the same one, is it? We'll do um, the move on next. Yeah, okay. Uh, let's see, this one. If you use YouTube for sending a video sell sheet, all you need to do is alter the greeting info section under the video to be personal, okay. Uh, the benefit is on YouTube, you can see what company watches the vid, yeah and the times they've watched it. Um, let's see what else he said here. I have to unhide it because it- I don't know why people like that so much. And how many times they've watched it. You can also delete the link so they can't see it anymore. Yeah, people really love that. So the why? details of it- Love that so much. It's great to know that somebody looked at it, isn't it? I mean, you know that. I don't know, that. I, never, I never care about that. Well, you know, what, what, one of our coaches, Ryan, he sent a sell sheet and there was a link to the video in the sell sheet. Company said, no, we're not interested. And um, he looked and he saw that they hadn't watched the video. Oh, and then he made him watch the video and then they showed okay, some answers. I know, but, but for me to, you know, if they're watching it 20 times, does that tell me they're really interested? It could be tell them you're, they're passing it around the company. It doesn't mean they're really Which is interested. It's not a bad thing, but it doesn't motivate me to do anything different. I oh, I think it's exciting as all hell for <laughs> an inventor. I think it is. So um, you know, and guys, just to let you know, with the YouTube analytics, so any of you could create a YouTube video and upload it to YouTube. You never want to make it public, and you never want to make it private. You're like Andrew. I wanted to make it private. No, if you make it private, you need to know their YouTube username so you can share with it. That's not practical. You don't know. People don't know their YouTube usernames. So, or you can make it unlisted. So unlisted is basically like a password. It's a link. And if you send it to a company and they click on it, only they can see it. Nobody can search for it and find it. Now they can share that link with people in the company, but that's what you want to happen. So you never want to publicly share your YouTube video. So when it's private, you know, everybody that's looking at it is somebody that got that link, right? That you sent or they shared it with somebody. Sure. So when you look at the analytics, it'll tell you like a, a city and a state. It doesn't tell you XYZ company, but you're like, oh, that one's in Greenboro. I don't even know what that city is. It's in Miami and this one's in Hollywood and this one's in Alaska. And you kind of like, okay, I know which company that is. Um, but yeah, it's exciting as all hell, Stephen. And it's also, but here's all what I like too. A lot of our students, they'll do a sell sheet and they'll do a link to a short video. It's not the full pitch, but it's like a 10 second thing. I saw a great one the other day from one of our students. It clarifying a little more. You can let you know, are people clicking on the link? Maybe I need to move this video around where it is in the sell sheet so more people watch that video. Maybe they're just not interested in the product. They're not even bothering to click on the video. I People love it. People love it. Now, on the topic of knowing when people look at your stuff, okay, there are a lot of 
systems that you can use that will track, did they look at my email? Did they click on the link? As far as did they look at my email, you cannot count on those anymore. I don't recommend that any of you use them because a lot of them will see that. Basically, there's a pixel that's hidden. It's just like a white pixel in the email. So if they open up the email, it will show you if they looked at the email. It's not reliable anymore, guys. With the new regulations with Apple, you cannot count on it. And, and corporate spam servers don't like it. So I don't think that's something anybody should be doing anymore. That's my personal opinion. Half of you don't even know what I'm talking about. So don't worry about well, it. Andrew, I think what's really interesting here, the bigger picture is what, what I really like about this is you have reached out to a company and you're getting some feedback. You're wanting some feedback. You're in the game. You're in the real game, right? You, because you've you found them, maybe done through LinkedIn, or maybe you called them, or we got their direct email, but you're really in the game. The thing that just drives me crazy, you guys, is that little button you see where it says submit an idea. And I'm going to go on another rant here because I'll tell you, you guys have to stop looking for that little button. It just does not work. You guys, those companies don't license ideas from portals. Now, I know a lot of people don't like me to say this, and probably the companies that have these portals probably don't like me to say this, but I'm all about give me proof. Give me social proof that those portals work. And the minute they do that, I'm okay with it, but I just don't see it. When I interviewed all these companies a couple of years ago for a book called Become a Professional Inventor, I asked them about the portals. Right. And they all told me we've never taken idea through a portal. Mm -hmm. Now that that, you know, but as an inventor, I'm looking for the easiest way to do this. So when, when I see on a company, hey, send me your idea, click here. I'm, all, I'm just going. Mm -hmm. What do they look at it? Are they looking at it? It's like a black hole. What did I just do? What did I sign? What so instead, what they should do, is do instead, Stephen, which you talk about. Well, okay, I know they're open to ideas, or at least they're pretending to be. Some of them just create a black hole and send stuff so they can just promptly ignore it. But um, but most of the time, it means that they're open. And then you reach out to their marketing yeah. managers and a bunch of people on LinkedIn, which most of you guys are all on LinkedIn already anyway, so we don't need to convince you to get on LinkedIn. Um, and that's the way you do it. So a portal is just a web page on a company's website. There are so many companies, Stephen, that... I think it's a way to babysit us, right? I think it's right. a I think it's a filtering system to see if you know what you're doing. I think it's a filtering system to say, look, we're we're a nice company. Yeah, we look at ideas, but we don't take you serious because you're putting it through a portal when you know you should build a relationship. I'm also not wild about these third party portals that represent all these companies that you pay money to submit ideas. You should never pay money. Yeah, I don't care if it's That's $10. Like... I don't care if it's $5. I don't care if it's 50 cents. You should never have to pay money to submit an idea. Are you kidding me? Companies yeah. need ideas. So don't do that, you guys. It's ridiculous. Quickie, quickie uh, questions through John. Uh, are bathroom accessories companies user-friendly for an innovator to license? Absolutely. Anything a uh, home, storage, kitchen, bathroom, one of the easiest categories to submit to a lot of companies. Great, great, great category. Fantastic. Um, let's see what else we got here. Andrew, we got five more minutes left. Okay, so let's do Josh's question. I won't put it up because it was I like, it was just basically when to give up. move on to another product. I mean, oh. I got a spiel on that, but you can, when do you move on? Yeah, let me, let's talk about that because if you're not experienced doing this, you might move on too early. People do all the time. I know. And I used to do it too. In fact, when I first started out, if I got two no's, I, I did something else. Right. And it was so much easier to do something else than to keep at submitting. Right. But you have to kind of read between the lines. You have to submit at the right time. Maybe companies require a, different things. Maybe having the, uh, doing a little extra work to know who they are, what's important to them. It's all about understanding the marketplace. And we talk a lot about that, understanding the landscape, who the companies are, what's important to them, what do they need to make a decision, right? But if you're, if you're sending stuff out and you're not getting a response, 
and after a while you're like, well, maybe they don't want it. Well, maybe you're not doing it the right way. Maybe you're flagging, you're flagging it a little bit. They're going, no, we don't want to work with you. Or no, this is the right company. No, this is the wrong company. You're getting flagged and you don't even know it. But in your mind, you're thinking, oh, no one wants my idea. Right. Totally. I, I talk to inventors all the time. That's the case. If you guys go to our inventions for sale page on inventright.com and see uh, 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 a lot of the products that are students have licensed, I bet a huge percentage of those students, when they were working with their coach, they were wanting to give up. They got 30 companies. They got 15 no's. They were wanting to give up. One of the things that we do with our students is, is mindset and focus. And you're just not done until you get no's from everybody. And even then you're not done. I get students all the time. They're like, well, I got no's from 30 companies. I'm like, do you get any specifics? Why not? No, kind of generic no's. I'm like, okay, put it on the shelf, work on another project, send it out six, eight, 10 months later, and you're going to hit some of the, a lot of the same people, maybe some new people. And they saw it before. They were too busy. They had too many projects going on. They didn't want to give you an inkling. They kind of liked it because they, they just couldn't take on another project. They're a person just like you and me. And the next time you sent it to them, Two weeks earlier, their boss said, we need new products. Same company that said no is now saying we're interested, okay? So if you should never be done with a project unless you get specifics why not, or you're getting indicators like, oh, I'm doing something wrong, then you fix it and you go back. But there is a time at which you put it on a shelf. Now, if you get indicators like, oh, here, like three companies say, here are the things that are wrong with it, and you're like, oh, crap, that is a problem, and I can't fix it. Okay, you're done. All right, if you can't fix it. But that's not the case most of the time. It's the easiest thing in the world to email all the same companies you sent out to 10, you know, 10 months ago. But make you might want to take another look at your presentation, things like that. I'm not saying that, but it's so much, and Stephen, it's hard for people to move on. But when I tell them this, it's easier for them to move on to another project. You're not done, you can come back to it. Yeah, I think you have to be really careful with this, Josh, because I saw an email from one of our members that he thought was a no. It wasn't a no. Yeah. He thought it was a no, it wasn't a no. Wow. It was, they needed a little bit more information. But but the way they wrote it, it just sounded like they were ready to move off, but they really wanted more information about cost and see if it fit into their particular line, right? So you have to kind of read what they're when they write stuff back to you what does it really mean internally they're not going to come out and exactly tell you they're not going to do that but they're right. going to say certain things that you, you have to interpret it so josh it's a really hard question right. uh, i don't I, I think you need a little guidance to understand why people are saying no who you reached out is it the right company is the right marketing which i mean there's all these things well and Stephen. My advice on putting on the shelf and reaching it back out 10 months later, that's for an InventRight student, assuming they were doing everything right, but just they didn't get a bite. But for people outside of InventRight that aren't students and haven't gotten coach and mentoring, you could reach back out 10 months later with the same crappy marketing materials to the wrong companies and get the same response. So I'm saying this, I, I wanna qualify that. I don't think I'm qualifying that enough when I give this advice, as long as you're doing everything right or but, most things right well here's the other thing too you have to realize what you're trying to do is get a conversation going and most companies will tell you and that's the difference from when you're first starting out you're 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 going out to a lot of companies and then when you hit the other level those are clients they're not potential licensees. They become clients because you're having a conversation. They're telling you maybe what they're looking for, their wish list. The, the relationship changes a little bit. Mm. And it changes in such a great way because now you can submit more ideas. Maybe you don't have to build elaborate prototypes. Maybe you don't even have to file intellectual property because you're having a discussion with them. You're able to, to test more ideas. You're able to get some feedback from those ideas and find that target they really, really want. So it does, um, at the end of the day, you have to really understand kind of their language, their attitude and what's important to them. And sometimes we just don't know how to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah great advice, Stephen. That's good stuff. Abdullah said, excellent info. I'll be joining soon. Abdullah, if you haven't already, Make sure to go to InventRight, click on contact us and book a call with us or just call the, the 800 number or the, the, now, the main number. I wanna say one last thing, everybody's watching. I do believe it's hard to do this by yourself. 
And I don't think you need to go alone. I just don't. And I also know how important it is for your success. And it's important for all of us, for you to be successful, because doors just open. But also, I want to tell everybody, at InventRight, we do something very different. This is your team. And your team has a coach. It has a negotiation coach. It has me. It has Andrew. It has senior coaches. It's a team that has done this so many times. We know how to read between the lines. We know how to keep you focused. We know how to tell you when maybe you should shift. Right. Maybe you shouldn't shift yet because you're not done yet. But you're ready to give up. And, and we don't want you to give up. We want to get you in the game as, as, as fast as you can to get a read and make sure you're doing everything right to get you from beginner to a little bit beyond that. Yeah, yeah I like it. Well, Christopher, yeah, never give up. There you go. Um, all right. All right. I remind everybody to take care, keep inventing. Check out inventright.com. Um, click on the free resources. Get those free resources. And if you want to talk to us, click on the Contact Us page. Call us. Email us. Book an appointment to talk to us if you want to learn more about how we can help. Um, Watch for Innovate This. You guys, you should see it anytime. Please comment on it, share it, take a look at it. If you want to be part of it, let us know. Also, YouTube channel, InventRight TV. Look for Mark Portney. He's coming back. It's been a year. Also, look for the one we just posted with Tom Zarr, Media One. They're looking for ideas. Maybe you have the great idea for QVC. Maybe you have the next idea for Tom. He's got his email in that video. Watch it. You'll love this guy. He's a great asset to all of us. All right. See you guys, everybody. Take care. Bye.